This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 53 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Ask the Vet with Dr. Parrott. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections brings the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. Visit them at equestriancollections.com. And also, Easy Signs Online, the number one farm sign company in the United States. Order online at easysignsonline.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. We'll bring you the news through hail, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you are listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, we're back, Helena, in year two. Year two? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What fun will year two bring for us? Uh, I know. I have some really cool stuff I've been working on. I haven't even told you about for uh, topics this year. And we had a great time last week. If anybody didn't listen to our anniversary episode, go back and take a listen to episode 52. We just had some fun. Yeah. If anything, you have to go and listen to me trip over myself. I couldn't talk my way out of a paper bag last week. You were kind of tongue-tied last week, but there's a reason you have a good excuse. I, I, all right. That's all. Sure. Yeah, I have a good you're excuse. a little tired right now. You're in the midst of moving to a new farm after 11 years at the place you're at now. This is true. It, it is so hard to sell one house, buy another I mean, I don't want to say it's hard. It's just tedious. There's so much to think about. And well, it is a little harder now with the banks the way they are, you know, about mortgages yeah. and things. So Oh, yeah. Oh, forget yeah. about it. The amount of paperwork that we had to submit. And we've got good credit and absolutely no debt. I mean, we're just like, you know, the best possible mortgage customer that could walk in their doors. And they made it difficult for us. But, um, yeah, so, you know, and it's the new house is two hours away from the old house. So that makes things a little bit difficult, too. But now you're um, doing pods to move this time, aren't you? Those things you put out in the front yard that look like uh, tractor trailers without wheels. I love the pods. They don't they're not that gross. They're they're like they're OK. They look like they're white and they have. They're oh, white. no, they're not, they're not gross. I think it just makes it super easy to do it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's not like I have two tractor trailers parked in my right, front right. lawn. Yeah. Oh, that would be kind of a nice parting gift to some <laughs> of the neighbors around here. Um, no, no, the pods, they drop them off. And we ordered two, um, two very big ones. But they drop them off, and you get to pack them up at your convenience. And you have them for about a month. So, um, you know, you can take your time as you're packing your things. You can call certain things out. and um, So you do have to do your own packing. But I kind of like it that way because I, I don't know how other people do it. But how do you have somebody come in your house, go through all your stuff, decide what goes in what box, how to wrap it, what gets wrapped special, you know. What gets thrown in the box with that yeah. wrapping. <laughs> so anyway. What, what do you throw away? I mean, it is a good time to clean the house. Well, if you're me, you throw away everything. If you're my husband, you throw away nothing. <laughs> so, so you're one of those imagine, families, huh? Imagine we're trying to come to some middle ground, and it's pretty funny. 
Well, I'm you know, very excited about you moving in your new house. It's uh, It looks really cute. I got to see pictures of it. Yeah, it is very cute. It's not as much acreage as we had hoped. It's it's tiny. It will be a little farmette. But it may actually be the first house in a two-step process because the town we're moving into has lots of great farms, um, some of which may be coming on the market in the next couple of years. So this may actually be a transitional property for us. Um, but if it's not, it's fine. It, it's it's perfect. It's awesome. Um, and, and, you know, if it is, if I can get that bigger farm, you know what it's like when you're a horse person, yep. you want a couple <laughs> acres and then that's not good enough. You want a couple more. And I laughed when I saw the pictures of the very formal gardens. Uh, yeah. I that'll thought be about turn you out. out there and on your knees, weeding endlessly throughout the summertime. Never. I'll just put horses. I'll bulldoze it and turn it into turnout. It's too bad, too, because they're they're very pretty, though. They are pretty. And there's there are peach trees, plum plums, blueberry uh, bushes. Um, the, the fruit, what do you call it? The fruiting vegetation. Yeah. I don't know what you call it. Um, that will stay because my husband will make some nice pies and stuff out of that. You notice she said her husband will make some nice pies. Just wanted to point that out. Um, yeah, I can't boil far. water. <laughs> I can, but it's just not as much fun as mucking a and stall. And you're going to have a place for me to come visit. That's even the most important thing for, for my wife and I to come up and visit you. Yep, yep. So uh, we can, we can, and, and there's driving people down there. There's lots of driving people. So you can, we'll find you somebody that you can get hooked up with there. And Jen and I can hack down to the beach. Good, cool. Yeah. All right, great. Well, we wish you luck in your move. I, I think you'll be around next week, and then the following week we'll have a guest host as you're as you're trying to unpack the, the masses <laughs> and put it into the new place. And uh, the new place is actually a little smaller than this place, so that's always going to be an adventure too. Can you imagine? I know we're the only people in, in God's green earth who moves from a smaller, a big house to a smaller house. It's not big. I mean, our, the house right now is small, but the house we're going to is but it's smaller. But there's two of them. Yes, there's two houses. Well, there's two of them. And it's cute as a Dickens. Yeah. And it's All right. So anyway, the beach. <laughs> that's why I'm a little blah, 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 or I was last week anyway. Yeah, you sound more coherent today. Either yeah. that or we thought you had a three martini lunch. We weren't sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could, you know, but with a six-year-old, no, that's just not yeah, an option. So what do we have doing today? We have, today's our Ask the Vet episode with Dr. Brian Parrott, one of my favorite veterinarians. Um, so we're going to talk to him about a few issues that come up during the summer months. Now, while the summer is sort of coming to a close up here in the northern part of the, the country, it is in full force in plenty of other states. So we're going to talk about some issues that are of concern. Um, and Brian Parrott is going to help us out with that. Good. And we're going to get to Dr. Parrott in just a moment because we always end up talking a little long with him. But before we do, I wanted to tell you uh, about Equestrian Collections. Chris contacted from Equestrian Collections, contacted me today and said, please point out in the show this week, there's, we have two great things going on Facebook. Remember last week, we talked about our, their $1,000 wish list giveaway. Yes, I well, know. Well, I want to reiterate that because I don't think people understand that is the coolest. That's probably one of the coolest giveaways going on right now in the horse world. What you do is you just you go to Facebook. If you're a Facebook member, you go and just search for Equestrian Collections up in the search box up in their right-hand corner. Go to their fan page, and you'll see a wish list button. Click on the wish list button and go in there, and you'll see all of her products in there. Go in and order, or put on your wish list, rather, $1,000 worth of products that, that they would like to win, that you'd like to win. They're going to pick a winner. So you put it in your wish list, and you could win that stuff. Uh, I think that's just the coolest thing. So 
go ahead and uh, head over to the Facebook fan page and do that. And also, they have a photo contest going on on the Facebook fan page. You just hop in there, put your favorite photo in there, and tell a little story about it. And they're giving away a $75 gift certificate to the winner right now of their Facebook uh, contest. Uh, cool. they, they also have a lot of the new fall stuff coming in now. I noticed that uh, on their website, they have a lot of the fall clothing is starting to hit and, and will be over the next month. So stop by to equestriancollections.com and check out all the new stuff coming in as well. So that's Equestrian Collections. Well, why don't don't you say, uh, you know Dr. Parrott personally, and we've had him on the show before. If you want to, you can go back and listen to the previous episode we've had with Dr. Parrott on here. But uh, tell us a little bit about your friend, Dr. Parrott. He is a fabulous veterinarian, Dr. Brian Parrott of Parrott Equine Associates in the Boston area. He received his DVM from Tufts University School of Veterinary Medicine back in 1987. And since graduating from vet school, he's been an equine health practitioner up here on Boston's North Shore. In 1991, he founded Parrott Equine Associates, um, where he and his associates tend to horses in various disciplines and levels of competitive sport, as well as pleasure horses of all kinds. His professional interests include sports medicine, lameness, podiatry. He is a fabulous farrier, by the way. Um, Reproduction and dentistry. Dr. Parrott's own equestrian passions include polo and fox hunting. Uh, So welcome, Dr. Parrott. Well, hi, Dr. Parrott, and welcome back to the Stable Scoop radio show. We appreciate you coming on again. Well, thank you very much. I'm pleased to be back on and uh, partially surprised. I'm looking forward to being able to try to answer your questions. <laughs> we're kind of surprised, too, after we after we peppered you with questions. And if you remember right, when you were on the last time, all of those poor polo ponies had just died. And we had you cornered with that question, too. So, <laughs> Well, it's an age-related thing. Once you get old, you forget about all the pains that you incur on a daily basis. <laughs> So well, now, I am again willing to take, to take more abuse. <laughs> well, we don't want to uh, change it up and uh, give you an easy time, so I'm going to start off with the hard question. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> shoot, shoot. Go well, you know, ahead. with everything going on right now, uh, with the last Olympics, with, with uh, serious competitors uh, losing their titles and getting booted because of drugging-related incidents, some, you know, some, uh, I, I would say most of them from what we're reading are probably unintentional related incidents. Are you finding that your lower level competitors, the people you deal with there, not the professionals, but in the lower levels, are they starting to be more aware? Are they starting to ask you more? Is this legal? Is this going to test? That kind of thing? Yes, they are. Um, in general, the people that are in the horse industry and competing, even if they're amateurs, are very intelligent. And they're involved and they, they hear what's going on around the world. And um, the drug issues that have been coming up, not only in equine competition, but in all other human competitions, have just been, you know, at the forefront of the, of, uh, the media. And, um, yes, the questions come. And they, they'll, even children are asking me these days if something is okay to use and how does it affect they're going to an ABC show, for that matter. So well, you know, it's it's quite interesting. Yeah, no, I, that is interesting, and I was I was really curious whether it is really starting to get out there, and it sounds like it is. And you know, we've been talking about this on the eventing show and on the dressage show, especially obviously with what's happened in in the dressage world here in the last couple of weeks. Um, 
you know, the FEI has almost, I don't know how you feel about this, but they almost have to come out with some kind of website that you can plug something in and know whether it's legal or not. I, I fully agree. I think that the um, the rules and drug um, handbook should be made readily available um, uh, on, a, on a website so that people can just uh, get the information as needed. So if it's not already there, and I'm not aware if it, if it is or not, because I have to come back to my office to look it up every time I'm questioning a drug and the withdrawal times and things, and I think FEI would be, you know, uh, would be smart to do that type of thing. It would be very helpful to the clients. It would answer a lot of questions and save a lot of, uh, of the um, officials a lot of time and hassle. And I think what's so hard is, there, the, you know, you can have you can have a product that the tiniest ingredient is the one that you don't even really know that it's in there, and it's the one that tests. You know well, what I mean? That's that's it. There's so many over-the-counter human drugs that can be, um, you know, one person or the other could put it on their animal, their horse that's competing, and they can be um, uh, and they can be and test positive for a banned substance and. There's a case in point, uh, a client of mine just a few years ago, and I would say three years ago, uh, was brought up on charges for um, illegal use of banned substances. And a, he knowingly put a um, topical medication on some bug bites. He was down in Florida competing, and he went. Um, he got a over-the-counter um, medicine that had a topical anesthetic in it. And a very, very light dose, but um, that topical anesthetic um, um, was, you know, in the um, cane family, the cocaine family, the, uh, and, and uh, desensitized the area. It took away the itching for the horse, but it tests positive, and they don't know if it's something that's really uh, performance-enhancing or not. So, of course, he was test positive, and he was fined. Um, he, was, he had a full hearing, and uh, the end result uh, was that... They recognized that he wasn't trying to do anything illegal, but uh, they went, uh, he had to go through the full hearing and also pay a fine, um, even where it um, was quite clear that he did not do anything intentionally. And most, but it seems too, ahead, though, that now that there there's no subjectivity left in these hearings. It's with this zero tolerance policy, and they're trying to set examples and get their point across about how serious this this is. It's eliminated all that subjectivity, which puts a lot of um, horse owners and trainers and riders through a very expensive and emotionally exhausting process when they're really and, and if the information isn't readily available to them if they don't have this list of substances that's banned uh, it's it's very easy for somebody to stumble onto a banned substance oh and like i said there and and so many of the over-the-counter drugs and medications that we use for ourselves so you know, very, very true. If you have a cut or a scratch or anything like that, and uh, you um, and you naturally want to treat it, you go to your own cabinet and you know use what you would use on yourself, and you can't do that. And a lot, a lot of horsemen, and, um, probably the professionals have learned, but the the amateurs, the and the younger people who really haven't thought about any of that, are run into that problem. So what do we say? What do we what do we tell um, competitors that you? Before you do something like this, pick up the phone yeah. and call your vet. Because at this point, yeah, isn't that almost, the only thing we can do? Almost every time um, is, is is that don't use anything on your horse that you're 100% sure 
is not a banned substance. And that means things that you think would be normally used on your horse, be it furosin ointment. Uh, if you're not sure that the furosin ointment or basset trace ointment is not a banned substance, don't use it if you're going to compete your horse. Um, don't use it until you've asked somebody who, who does know or that you've taken the time to research it yourself. And they should. Uh, I think that we could do. We could help our listeners by producing us veterinarians producing a list of um, okay substances that we use every day. Uh, right, right on our own website. So that's something, now that you brought this up, I might even consider doing in, on my website is offering people. These are things that you don't have to worry about in the use of comp- with competitions. Yeah, that would and, be a great start, yeah. yeah. That would be. So it may be an individual thing, but it could also be the FEI, the AHSA, and certainly the, um, um, I guess, any proactive group that really cares that people don't go through a lot of hassle um, could do that. So that's kind of a neat idea, and I think I'll add that because I'm always looking for things to uh, help my clients and not have to answer the questions. All right, well, we'll send you our bill lady. for the consultation fee. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's the hardest question we have for you today, so you can pretty much just sit back, put your feet up. <laughs> no, oh. no, no, wait, here's a really hard one. Well, you know, it's, it's actually a good segue because we're talking about substances that we want to use on our horses to mostly to relieve any discomfort. Um, right. A lot of times, especially for competitive horses, that discomfort would be some sort of or could manifest as some sort of lameness so what one of the questions we have is um we're in the summer months there's lots of riding activities which are sort of at their peak what kinds of lameness issues do you see the most of in during this time of year you know, repetitive motion injuries um and um Lots of bruising. I would say in, in, in the first category, the repetitive motion uh, motion type of injuries, the uh, where one of the body parts, sort of like the person who plays tennis, um, will get tennis elbow or you know tendonitis in an area that's being used uh, over and over and over again, and be it a um, three day horse or uh, you know which of course does a lot of jumping and running or a uh, endurance horse which is going mile after mile the areas that take the greatest brunt of activity you know uh, come up sore and so things that are close to the ground that take uh, the the load of the forces on their body uh, we start to see the lower leg tendons injuries the foot uh, the foot injuries um, and things generally below the knee Uh, so more so than other times of the year when they're not in use so uh, the horse is being used a lot. This is our lameness season right now uh, in the summertime in the Northeast. Um, on a daily basis, I have uh, new cases of uh, injuries associated with the exercise um, as the mainstay of my, uh, of my practice. Hmm. So even, let's say, you know, in a, a dressage barn or a dressage rider and, and his or her horse, just through, even though, like, I consider dressage as a low-impact discipline in terms of the concussive pressures on the horse's body. Right. So you're just saying that the repetitive motion, even of schooling on the flat, right. is enough to cause these injuries. It, it really is. And so many of the, in dressage, we have um, the different footings. It, 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 if they have a very good footing that um, has a lot of energy in it and rebounds, 
that's great. But the, you, you also could, uh, the, the deeper footings are very commonly seen in, in a, lot, a lot of footings, and that's where you get tendon strains when the horses uh, get tired. Um, what we see this time of year is that people are riding a lot more. They're getting ready for competitions. Um, everybody is, it's just great weather, so this is the riding, you know, uh, riding time of the year. And so with the increased activity comes increased injuries um, and, and soreness is associated with that. In, in dressage, we, you know, we still see the primary injuries of being um, suspensory injuries and um, arthritis from the joints being hyperextended. And uh, that, that, those, that, those are the most common ones in that discipline. Hmm. Yeah. So those are every, you know, those, those literally are happening all the time. And again, you're dealing with horses that people are having greater expectations for. They're, they're anxious to get out um, and ride and compete. And uh, just even because the winter is so miserable um, for a lot of people, and they, they don't ride as much, the horses don't get, get as much use this time of the year, they get a lot of use. So how do you know when, too, when, when what you're doing is too much, when you're pushing the envelope yeah. of what your horse's body can handle? Well, you know, that's a very, very subjective thing. That's mm. something that you truly is an is a, is a understanding of the animal that you own. And a trainer who works closely with an owner and their horse can help them. I think the veterinarians like myself are at the greatest disadvantage because we don't work and live with those clients and, and, and horses on a um, always on a daily basis so we come into it and we have to be you know very keen listeners to what's been going on and ask all the right questions um, which is you know to regarding regarding what type of activity actually watching them move and um, going through their paces asking them how much time they're spending doing that looking at the footing that they're in the turnout that they're in um, those all are a big part of my examinations because I don't see the horses on a daily basis so um, what's too much is um, you know it's gone too far when uh, when the animal's injured, and most of the time people are pretty aware of their horses when they're getting tired. Um, right. Kind of very interesting that um, uh, even trainers um, are sometimes they the, the training methods to getting their horses at the maximal condition that they can do for things uh, need the support of others, be veterinarians uh, inquiring or physical therapists. We're getting more and more physical therapists involved in um, equine um, athleticism. So um, myself and uh, and a couple of physical therapists that I use um, in talking about exercise regimes for horses um, are being used more and more for just that, how much can we do? How much should we do? How do we get our horse fitter so that they don't end up with these injuries? And um, right. uh, that that's something that's happening all the time. And I'm glad to see that. Yeah, those are good questions that, that trainers and riders can be asking themselves. But the, the tuned-in client is saying, you know, my horse just doesn't have the oomph. And you do that a day, a day or two in a row, and you just say, well, you know, maybe he's feeling a little bit ill or, you know, um, things like that. And then, then I get the... I get the phone calls and say, you know, he's just been just not quite right. Mm. Um, is he is he sore? Is he sick? And then I look at the horses and ask all those questions, and we see if uh, we're doing something too much, or if the horse is getting bored or or ill, for that matter, that their behavior is changing. Right. We just have to listen. Yeah. 
<laughs> you just have to listen. They have to be really good listeners. And, you know, horses speak loud and clearly, just not in English all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, I could spend an I, I Honestly, I could spend hours and hours on this one subject. <laughs> but I'm going to move on to the next question because there's a listener out there who, who asked this one specifically. Okay. Um, is there any credence to the practice of withholding cold water after a workout for horses? Can a cold drink for a hot horse lead to an episode of colic or tying up? Yeah, more likely colic, and yes, that um, wherever it came from originally, it's 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 a good practice not to use anything cold with uh, something that's really hot, um, and so drinking a large quantity of cold water will put a horse into a state of pain, you know, colic. Tying up, not necessarily so much. They're two different, um, but they're hard to differentiate by the appearance because a horse that ties up often acts colicky. Um, so there's some crossover clinical signs. Uh, so, so sometimes clients get, but um, yeah, that is hard. More likely I mean, it'll, it's, it'll, re- it's really hard to tell the difference between those two. I mean, when they're first starting, really, yeah. yeah, yeah, it really can be, and I mean, you, know, you 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 have to look at every, you have to pick pick the clinical signs apart before. And I spend a little bit of time every time somebody asks me that question, or I go out to see a patient that's acting ill. Um, is it colicking or tying up? And I go through my um, algorithm of, of 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 questions that I ask myself and, and examinations before I say, oh, it is colicky, or no, it's not colic, it's not. Uh, colicky, it's really tying up, that type of thing. So, um, but the answer is, is cold water will cause a horse to colic, and that's because they get stomach cramping. It's the, it's the just the temperature change on the stomach, and any human that's an athlete who's drank something cold in a larger volume immediately can really, really get painful. And um, I've I've seen it in my own friends who were just exhausted coming off a field and taking a big drink, and then they just get terrible stomach cramps. So, right. so that's good to know. So, what do we say? Um, give them water, but just don't make it ice cold. Right. And don't withhold and, water in general. Yeah, don't just... withhold water. It's it's good to take multiple small sips of uh, tepid water, and you you do you want the water to be um, reasonably warm. Uh, you know, uh, at least at least close to body temperature, so it's warm to the touch. You don't want it to be cold. Okay. All right. Good. And that's a a good practice. And then as far as cooling a horse down, again, you wouldn't use something cold immediately unless unless the horse was in a a very severe state of um, hyperthermia. But um, you would uh, you would even cool you cool their body down with warm water as opposed to a cold water hosing with cold water hosing a hot, hot horse. Then sometimes the horse's muscles will cramp up, and you'll get a a tying up like syndrome. Um, So cold water on a hot horse is not a good thing. Okay. Uh, um, Cold water on the horse's feet, hooves, and the lower legs um, will help to cool the body because the circulation of their blood through their extremities will uh, cool down their 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 core body temperature pretty well. But to put it cold water directly onto a hot, sweaty, uh, muscular body is sometimes too much of a shock and uh, right. leads to, you know, muscle cramping. Right? So the, the, the lower extremities are fine because there's no major, major muscle groups down there. You're that's just cooling the correct. blood versus uh, shocking the, the muscles. Slowly. Exactly. Okay. It's, a small, it's, it's a smaller surface area and you have a smaller volume of blood um, being cooled off more slowly that way. So, um, 
either internally or externally, you want the uh, cold or coolness to be applied in a in a in a in a, um, a more gentle fashion, and um, so that yeah, and those are extremely important things to do to any hot horse. Um, just recently, we had a competition here, and it's nice and cool in the Northeast this summer for the most part. But even after a three-day competition in, on um, in carriages. Um, we had body temperatures. Uh, uh, this is a relatively small event we had locally, and uh, horses were coming off with 106 and 106.1, wow. 106.2 body temperatures. And they're not, uh, it, it tells one of a couple of things that the horses may be unfit, but they may not also be used to the warmer weather on that day because we had so much cooler weather. Right. But um, in each of those situations, they weren't terribly unusual. Um, I'd say across the board, we saw these higher body temperatures that day but um i with each one of those i said you know the, your horse does not have to come back to be rechecked but you do need to cool your horse slowly it's 106 and it would be really good for to do this and then to take the temperature again and uh, in, in, in 15 20 minutes and make sure it's down under 103 so that's um those are things to be very aware of and all competitors should learn Take a core body temperature. You always wonder how hot a horse gets. Well, you, the best and easiest way to do is put a thermometer in and, and kind of figure out, you know, how hot your horse is getting after 45 minutes of work under certain conditions. You know, it's we we, we have a tendency not to look and to test mm. uh, people in general, but it's so simple and easy that I try to reinforce that. Yeah, go ahead. It's okay. It's not going to upset the horse to take its temperature. They're used to that, and they they don't mind it at all. But well, and you, it's and you a also, real insight. Yeah, and it, it's a, it's one of those things about getting to know your horse and listening. You're right. you're really getting right. to know what that baseline is, so you know when there's a problem in the future. Right. Very very true. And the right. few there was a few savvy competitors who had did that, and they just say, "Well, my horse always pants um, under these you know under these conditions. Um, I'm not surprised to see his heart rate only at you know, uh, only at 80, but his uh, body temperature at 105 and a half or 106. So that's, that's sort of the way my horse is. And, you know, those are pretty savvy people because they've been there and they're checking it. But not very few disciplines really ask a horse to do that. And certainly the um, the three-day. I was going to say uh, the eventers uh, know all the about eventers that. Are, <laughs> yeah, the eventers are, a smart, uh, you know, our savvy group because uh, they get to the extremes. But on um, dressage horses that are hot and not used to certain conditions, I mean, it's, it would be a really good idea after 45 minutes of 50 minutes of, of hard training and exercise, what where your horse is truly at. You know, so. well, yeah. I, I know, Helena, you have a couple of more questions we want to get to uh, that the listeners have sent in, but I have one here qu- quickly, and it's more of a... It's more of a Glenn kind of question. You know, I was thinking when you were talking about lameness earlier and, and you were talking about, you know, diagnosing lameness in horses. And I got to be thinking, you do, do you have as veterinarians psychology classes when you're going through vet school on how to deal with the owners? No, <laughs> that is a Glenn know, question. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> historically, those questions have come up because we, you know, we, we are dealing with the public at large. Well, you know uh, what with, I was thinking? Animals. Well, yeah, what I was thinking is you're you're out there with a, a, a 17-year-old girl or a 30-year-old person, and this is their horse they've been working on for years and years and years, and now it's lame and their whole season's shot, and they're breaking down, and you're there. Yeah. I, I mean, you have yeah. to deal with that every day, and that's got to get difficult for you. That's why I asked that question. Are, are you prepared, or do they prepare you in any way in vet school for that kind of thing? 
Not at all. It's all life experiences that either make you good or bad at that. And um, uh, and I do think that it would be a wonderful part of any curriculum, uh, veterinary curriculum, to spend time on human behavior uh, and human emotions, um, is uh, human psychology. Um, most of most of us in, that have gone into veterinary medicine, human medicine, had taken some sociology and psychology courses in our undergraduate years and. Some more or less, you know, are are tuned into that. But um, I must say, we're not well prepared. Um, I find that a lot of veterinary uh, uh, graduates are uh, fairly introverted, scientific, um, hardworking individuals, uh, and they're not your in the typical bell-shaped curve of of the human behavior that we deal with on a daily basis. So. We're not all prepared. Is that a, uh, I, I find it, that it takes a few years. The, the hardest part about veterinary medicine is is working is is understanding the human behavior of your. I client. was just going to ask that. I, I was going to ask if that's one of the hardest yeah. parts for you. Yeah. It, well, you know, in it, the emergency, it was, it, it, in, it was, but it is a big part of my daily life. It's it's all uh, uh, success in in a lot of businesses, I think, but it certainly applies to veterinary medicine is really, um, it's about the relationships that we develop with our clients. When you know and those, go ahead, Lillian. Those relationships are just an important part of the treatment program, too, for the, the horse, because sure. when we talked to you in the last, the last time we had you on, you know, one of the most important things that you highlighted was good communication between the horse owner and their veterinarian. And, you know, that that relationship, the veterinarian to the owner and then the owner to the horse is such an integral part of treating whatever, either preventatively, you know, making sure your horse doesn't is on the right training program or um, has a good health care regimen or, you know, for treating traumatic injuries. Just my opinion. Right. Yeah, no, that's... I, I, <laughs> Just giving that out I, there. I'm glad, you remind, I'm glad you reminded me of that because I, I would hate to repeat myself again. <laughs> I'm glad that I was on the same, same path. You know, <laughs> it wasn't too going down a different road. You know, it's like anything else, too. You know, doctors, uh, human doctors don't get that much training in, in, in the psychology of their patients, and there's some that are good at it, and there's some that just stink. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and they may be the, be, the, the just, just brilliant... Um, uh, Clinicians, right. uh, highly capable in, uh, of, of, of making a diagnosis and performing a treatment, but they don't necessarily are not necessarily the best doctors in the world unless they can effectively communicate with their clients, and um, that really makes or breaks a business a lot of times. And you know so, that it's nice too that when you have um, maybe a veterinarian who's in a practice like yours, like Parity Equine Associates, where you've got a few who you guys can work with, um, you know, the different strengths and weaknesses of each of the practitioners. So, you know, it's not like all you have to be all things. And I mean, I know there's a lot of veterinarians that have to be sole practitioners. There's really no choice. But I just think it's kind of nice to have um, a couple of different skill sets yeah, group, in a practice. group practices. Group practice has a lot of benefits uh, associated with it, and and um, uh, and I, I thoroughly enjoy it working as a team. It's it's really a team process, but uh, with that comes the time and management uh, that goes along with any business. So there's there's pros and cons, but it's in general I'd rather me personally uh, work uh, in, a, in, a, in a group team environment because I think we're much more effect- we, we're much more effective for our clients alright well we, we have two more questions we want to get to okay. for, that the listeners have sent in and I don't want to miss them here 
one of them is hives seem to show up in the summer months. What kind of things can cause hives, and how should an owner approach figuring out uh, where they came from and when to call their vet? Well, this is the um, this is the uh, uh, allergy uh, primary allergy season. We see it starting in the spring, but it really gets to its maximum in in the northeast. I should say in the northern. Um, regions of the United States. Uh, the um, spring, early summer, midsummer, we have all of these the things that create tremendous um, uh, antigens or, you know, um, allergens, I should say. And uh, they change throughout those warmer month seasons, and they start off frequently being uh, things that are in the air. Um, um, pollens affect horses. And then you get into the um, uh, late spring and the early summer, and you have a whole bu- set of biting bugs. And then as the summer progresses, you have a whole another set of biting bugs and sucking bugs. And um, then um, all year round, but sometimes worse some seasons, you have you know fungal spores that are, are growing and developing and becoming uh, more prevalent. So there's a lot of things, and I must say the, the, the busiest or the, 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 the worst time of the year is late spring and the summer for allergies and hives. And um, hives this time of year are typically associated with the um, high level of mosquito population that we will have in the northern parts of the United States. Especially Canada. where you guys live. Well, yeah. we have. We have, we have <laughs> you we have, have the greenheads, too. Are they ending oh, now? Yeah, nasty tabanid flies that, you know, just that mouth. If you ever look at the mouth parts under a microscope, I mean, they're perfect for a horror movie. But these things look like, you know, chainsaws that can cut through, you know, you know huge body parts. And <laughs> they, they, they hurt when they bite. Oh, they're awful. And you say, oh, Is that the green heads we're talking about? Yeah, green heads, what? horse flies, bull yeah. flies, you know, all of these things. That was the worst heads. part about living up there was the green heads. And they are, they're oh. only out for like a couple of weeks in, what, July, right? That's right. The, uh, there's a, and we're almost to the second full moon, um, which will be the end of our. We've had a shortened season because we had so much rain up here, and it was cool, so they didn't really um, develop as much. But they came out in the vengeance a few days ago, and these things are. I mean, there is nothing. There is no spray or anything like well, that. Well, pretty much all. everybody just tries not to do anything outside, right? <laughs> no, they, right. we, we don't even put to, the horses out during hide. the day. Yeah. yeah, you have to hide, and the, yeah. you know, it worries it worries the weight. But all of these, all of these critters, um, insects and um, things of that nature, have the potential of having their uh, bodies produce allergens um, to to the individual animals. Some horses are extremely sensitive to uh, black flies, to mosquitoes, um, or to one of these biting flies, sucking flies. So. We see it, and the hives come up, and you have to treat them. They're true, um, and some of them are just normal um, contact. They, they bite the animal, and they get a bump or a welt where they, where they get bitten. But others truly have an allergy to them where one single bite can create a whole body reaction. And those are the ones that are a little more concerning. Those are the ones that we have to treat and identify so that they don't suffer so much throughout these months. And there's a there's a we allergy... Treatment and recognition and dealing with is a big part of any any any, any veterinarian's uh, practice. All right, great, good. So right now it's about bug fly, uh, bugs. Keep them in a cool, dark area away from the bugs. Um, try to turn them out where when it's not so bad. Uh, typically at nighttime is a good time, although there's mosquitoes out there. Try to use repellents. There are some that are 
propose to be excellent ones that are homeopathic or from um, or from herbal derivation. And there's certainly some of the synthetics work extremely well, um, but we are always concerned about our environment. So you know, uh, environment and long-term health care associated with that. And there's not a tremendous amount of data on the impacts of our uh, long-term health with, uh, associated with all of those even the herbals we just don't know as much about so be careful with it but you do need to use them sometimes to to help ward off those things all right great and i think helena you have one more question that we got from a listener here yeah i love this question because i think um it's it's a question that i have and i always forget to ask you brian when i see you (laughs) always always so busy picking your brain about a million other things uh Okay, it's about worming. What's the current school of thought on worming, wormers, and, and rotating different kinds of medications? And do you recommend fecal counts to, or having a fecal count run in order to more accurately determine what kind of worming regimen is right for a particular horse? Uh, those are all good questions. Wor- worming or deworming horses um, has, uh, is, every year is looked at in large uh, groups, um, research companies for because of the drugs um, universities are studying these issues all the time and there seems to always be some evolution in the right way to deworm or the right deworming program currently um, and through the American Association of Equine Practitioners uh, this past year's uh, annual um, convention meeting there was a large discussion about that um, deworming based upon fecal egg counts is the best way to deworm your horses. And the answer in my practice is um, I still maintain a rotational deworming program, um, but I do recommend fecal egg counts to monitor the horses. And part of it is because the information that's come out is very complicated. And I've read it, I've listened to it, but I don't thoroughly understand it. And if I'm having a difficult time understanding it, then I can't imagine my clients have a better uh, handle or grasp of it. So right now it's, uh, it's something that it's extremely important that we st- all still believe to, put, uh, to be on a regular deworming program. And how often you deworm really should be, be a, a decision made between you and your veterinarian and a program uh, uh, should be developed between you all. In, in my practice, um, I am recommending currently fecal egg counts. Uh, we do it regularly for the clients, uh, but I'm still recommending that we deworm judiciously during um, certain seasons, even if the, if the, if the clients um, do not want to spend money on fecal egg counts. So, well, how, roughly, how when you say you, you recommend it regularly, what's regularly, like every three months, twice a year? Right. Yes. Um, basically, <laughs> fecal egg counts done on a every, uh, on a every Once uh, a week. eight weeks. Uh, yeah, eight, basically, every eight weeks, because uh, in the past, we've looked at that as the time, the longest time frame bef- between dewormings. And so if you did not deworm because you didn't have a fecal egg count uh, at one period, at, at one point in time, then check it again in eight weeks, and you can do that year-round. And then if you start to see the fecal egg counts, then you know your, the worm burden is um, present. Um, they're probably always there, but if it starts to be, become a larger count, you can, you can bet that you have a larger um, 
burden of, um, of parasites in, in the horses. But it opens this whole process and understanding opens itself up to a great deal of discussion and you know should we wait until there's actually adults in the animals uh, adult worms in the animals before we treat them and the you know the adults are the ones that produce eggs should we allow that those five stages of development to occur in the animals to you know cause all this destruction in their internal organs or organs so there's there's so many schools of thought and so much debate going on about it currently. It's really hard to say what's right and what's wrong. I think it would be wrong not to de deworm your horse, and I think it would be wrong not to, if you aren't going to deworm your horses, not to look to see if you didn't um, that there's eggs in your horse's stool. Does the I, does the does the the fecal egg count tell you what kinds? Yeah. Of of eggs there. Okay, so. So really, well, there's two, there's two parts to a, a fecal. Uh, you have a, a fecal egg count, which the count really is associated with picking a particular egg type for counting. Okay. You're not looking at all uh, all eggs in the counts. You're looking at specific types of eggs in the counts. But you do want to do a um, um, more qualitative exam, which is to see what kind of eggs that there are. So we do. We do, in, a, in my practice, not only the fecal egg count, but a qualitative one which says, oh, you have um, strongyloides uh, westeri uh, or large strongyles or tapeworms or roundworms, that type of thing. So we, we try to qualify which ones um, we're also seeing in addition to the fecal egg count. Well, that's great. All right. Well, we're playing running out of time here, Dr. Parrott. We do appreciate you being on. And everybody can find your website. You're in beautiful Hamilton, Massachusetts, north of Boston. It's, I say beautiful this time of year. Um, no, sure today. Is. today. Sure yeah. <laughs> and that's at Parrot Equine. That's P-A-R-R-O-T-T equine.com. And we will also put a link in our show notes uh, to your website, which I think has gotten a facelift since I saw it last. A little bit here and there. I'm, 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 I'm considering changing web, web website hosts here. So, Helena, you're you're one that has done a beautiful job with some. So, anyway. oh, it sounds like you have a new client there, Helena. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and, Bring it on. <laughs> that just means I can ask him more questions. That's right. There you go. There you go. I think she's going to be doing this one for trade. <laughs> you know, it's amazing what you learn when you build a website for somebody because you always have to, you know, there's so much content. There's so much text that goes onto a site. You actually learn quite a bit. So um, bring it on. I'd be happy to. All right, good. Well, Dr. Parrott, hang on here. We'll talk to you in just a minute. Thank you for uh, being on the show with us again, and we'll have you back in another couple months. Well, thank you very much, Glenn and Helena. We'll talk to you maybe again soon. Well, it's always good to have Dr. Parrott on. He's a lot of fun. I don't know how he puts up with us. We pick on him all the time. I know. He's a good soul. <laughs> he really is. I'm going to miss him. I, I told him. You're going to need a new vet. <laughs> well, you know, I said, you guys can come down and stay in the guest house. Just come down and treat my horse once a year. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Get your shots and uh, your general checkup, and he can do your horse's feet. And... Yeah, I said, Peter can cook. You know, Peter will cook a meal. We'll serve some cocktails. And, well, you, you know... can probably line him up with a couple of days of work down there. There's so many horse people where you're moving to in Rhode Island I, there. Yeah, I, I, I could do that. I don't know if he'd be up for it, but, you know, why not? <laughs> 
Well, he's up for doing this show. He's up for almost anything, I think. I know, I know. He well, is we a thank good... him for coming on, and we'll, we'll have him back again here soon. We try and get Dr. Peridon every three or four months, and you can take a look back at stablescoop.com at the past episodes there, and you'll find his previous one. And, of course, it's always interesting to listen to Dr. Parrot, and he, he, he is a wealth of knowledge. So we appreciate him being on. We have a lot to talk about here yet, but first I wanted to mention our friends at EasySignsOnline.com. As small farm and business owners, signs are the most affordable means of advertising for your business. And most businesses, new or not, don't have a dollar to waste. The Small Business Administration says signs are the most effective yet least expensive form of advertising for small businesses. What's more, signs are always on the job for you, advertising 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Enhance your farm entrance with an affordable, professionally designed farm sign from EasySignsOnline.com. Remember, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Well, Helena, I wanted to mention to you before we talk a little bit about the giveaways that we have going on here at the Horse Radio Network. You remember we had Darlie Newman on a couple weeks ago from Equa Trekking. I do, yeah. The woman with the best job in the world. That's right. Well, she was, I follow her on Twitter. She's a fun one to follow. And she's been Twittering. You remember she was nominated for two Emmy Awards for her show, Daytime Emmys. And she was Twittering that last weekend she was out shopping for dresses. Because remember, she has to walk down the red carpet and a whole thing with all the celebrities. Yeah, Right, right, right. So apparently she was out dress shopping and she found one she really liked. And I was uh, going back and forth with her a little bit. She's very excited. She's going to be tweeting from, from the event. So she said to make sure you follow her, and, and we'll put a link to her Twitter account on our on our show notes today. But uh, she should be fun. We wish her the best of luck. We hope she wins an Emmy. How cool would that be, a horse show winning an Emmy? Wicked cool. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to have her on here in a uh, hopefully the week after she gets back from Los Angeles. She's actually going to be recording a, a show or two while she's out there as well. So we hope to have her on when she gets back to talk all about the experience and which cool celebrities she met. I, think I that- wonder if the, she'll actually be featured. You know how sometimes they have, like some people win awards, but they never, they only show up in a list that's sort yeah, of published after she was after not that. sure how that was going to work. So she's just not sure whether they would be featured on the TV show or not. But she does get to go to the gala event and the party after. So all right, well, whatever. Who cares if she? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's. Who pretty cares cool. if she's featured? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool being able to show up in a limousine and walk the red carpet like the celebrities and have everybody take your picture, even though they don't know who you are. You know all of that. Oh, bless her heart. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, it's she really does work hard. She has a great job, but it is it's a lot of hard work and. And for somebody to be rewarded this way for all the work they put into it, especially something that you're passionate about and, you know, the horse world, I think that's good for her. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's PBS. She can't be getting paid that much. You know, it's not it's not she's not making millions off this show for the work that she does. Right. Uh, But she does get to do some fun stuff. That's for sure. We're glad we got to meet her. She's she actually came on and uh, Horse Tip Daily, uh, one of the other shows that we do. And she did some tips about horse travel. So uh, there's nobody that really knows more about that than she does at this point. So, (laughs) um, So it was fun having her on to do some tips with us, too. I have a tip for everybody, and that is you need to stop over and register for the August 
Horse Radio Network giveaway. We have two $50 gift certificates from Equestrian Collections, which, we, you know, we talked about Equestrian Collections earlier. They're just giving stuff away left and right. She's got, she's got so much stuff going on right now. We have a 75-day supply of joint armor, which is a scientifically-based formula that provides your horse with the building blocks necessary to maintain healthy joints throughout his lifetime, and that's from Kentucky Performance Products. You can visit them at kppusa.com. And from KBC Horse Supplies, they've donated one of their very nice triple-stitch leather halters with a custom nameplate, and this is the same top-quality halter that they sell to the famous racehorses here in Kentucky. Uh, KBC is a local Lexington company with a worldwide reach. Visit them at kbchorsesupplies.com. I know oh, yeah. I've, said, Go ahead. I've said this before. Those halters are beautiful. I've seen them up close and personal. Well, we had uh, Reese Koffler-Stanfield on, who is a very... Uh, famous down here as a professional dressage rider, lives here locally. She was on co-hosting the dressage radio show, and she said all of the horses in her barn wear these halters. So Nice. So there you go. Nice. Uh, go to eventingradio.com and click the giveaway banner on the right side of the page. We'll choose the winners at the end of the month. So sign up to win today. It's free and it's easy. Well, Helena, we will be back here next week with another Stable Scoop show. We're actually not quite sure who's going to be on at this point, but it'll be something fun, I'm sure. Um, you can visit all our, see all our show notes at StableScoop.com, and we love feedback. You can give us feedback just by going to our website and clicking the contact link at the top of the page. And you can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio, and that's just your cue to come in and give me your Twitter name, because I oh. never remember it. <laughs> That's what that was. Yeah. silence was. It was your cue. You notice I haven't been riding lately. Okay. Um, my horse. Oh, my Twitter name is Helena B B E E. Helena underscore B. That's Helena me. Underscore B E E. B E E. And are you going to be tweeting a little bit while you're moving? I expect to see a tweet that says we're on the road. I, you know, I don't tweet as often as the rest of the world, but I'm good for one a week. I'll try and do a little bit more. Um, well, especially now. I mean, we got to hear about that. We got to hear about when you're actually driving down there. I want to see a tweet. All right. This is a good question. And you know what, people, for all you Twitterers out there, your tweeters, Twitterers, um, let me know what you th- – okay, here's my problem. I, I have to update Facebook with all of our progress. I have to tweet with our progress. So now I have all these different points of communication well, that I need know, to update. Actually, there is an, a Facebook app where anything you put on Twitter will go to your Facebook account and vice versa. All right. Well, you need to geek me up on okay, that. Okay. Because... I'll, I'll, I'll let you know about that. Yeah, but you can do that. Okay. Then in that case, I'll be twittering a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be talking a lot, but I'll be twittering a lot. <laughs> all right. Great. And we also want to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Collections and EasySignsOnline.com. Well, good luck in your packing this week, and we'll be talking to you next week, right before the big move. Right before the big move. That's right. All right. We'll We'll be be back back here. Or actually, I'll be Twittering, tweeting with the scoop. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help me. (laughs) 